Okay, dude. So, how are you doing though, like with COVID and work and everything that's going on right now? Um, I feel okay. So, I feel like it's kind of in my my case, speaking for myself. I feel it started off kind of like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm just gonna put a mask on. Meh. Like I didn't really care. COVID was there. I was like, okay, I just gotta put a mask on. Like easy follow rule. It's done. Then. I had a COVID scare, and I was like, oh, shit, this is very real. I'm terrified. But then they're like, actually, you don't have COVID. You have this respiratory infection instead. Take this medicine. You're fine. Then I felt like I started to get cautious, but then I started to enforce wearing masks more. I'm one of those managers at our place of work that's definitely like put a fucking mask on and get out of the drive-thru. That's one thing... I notice a lot, man. Like in drive-thru, the entire time, I think on average, six out of ten people would wear masks. The other four, and the other four give you a problem or just choose to not wear it at all. Yeah, and I started thinking about it because, you know, we don't. I remember I started asking our coworkers to let the people know at the window we require like face mask. You know. Mm And I, and I made a script so that it sounded nice. It sounded like it didn't sound rude at all. And I, we got no complaints for it. And we we're doing it for about like, I was doing it for about three weeks. The only problem was that it was only me doing it out of everyone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And then the manager didn't want me to do it anymore. And what I noticed is that when we let the customers know that, hey, just little heads up, we require a face mask at the window. People are like, okay, cool. You know, sounds good. Sometimes it'd be like, okay, like, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? Either way, I noticed that it went from like around six out of 10 people to literally nine, if not 10 out of 10 people mm-hmm. would wear a face mask. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I don't know if these people either don't, don't know or don't care. Like, don't know which, like, either way that you, you're not completely safe in your car. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're still coming in contact with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and a mask is not, it's like using a blinker when you're driving. Like, it's not hard. I think the best, the best way that I uh, heard a mask get described was, uh, it was compared to a condom. Condoms are preventative. We use them to be careful and to uh, be cautious and safe. They're not 100% guaranteed. And I feel like a mask is very much that. So... Think of COVID as an unwanted child, you know, like put a condom on, wear a mask. I feel like it's very simple. But I experienced the same same problem at other stores because, you know, I travel um, for what I do. So since I'm traveling from store to store in the company, I've noticed that baristas just sort of like, if one person gives them a hard time, 
they don't want to talk about it at all. They're just like, okay, I don't want to remind people to wear masks. I don't want to tell people to wear masks. They don't listen to me, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I understand, but it is very much, one, your job as an employee of this company to enforce our policies, whether you'd like to or not. Two, if you're that uncomfortable, you can easily have me step in and I will do it for you. You know, I have no problem doing that. But I noticed this most recent store that I stayed at the longest, we'll call it LH. Um, so that store that I was at, I really got all those those kids to, can you put a mask on? Hey, just, and the way that I was having people say it is, this is your total. Uh, this is the total we're expecting from you at the window. And we do require that you wear a face mask when you get here. So I don't care what you do while there's four or five cars ahead of you, but once you're about to get to this window, just cover your mouth. You know, even I've been nice to the point where it's like, hey, you know, we're happy to serve you. Just wear your shirt, put your shirt over your mouth. And I noticed just at that specific store, every time we were reminding people to put a mask on, 10 out of 10, it was good. It was really, really good. Um, but then the election happened. And when the election happened, that's when they went from, like, a perfect score, 10 out of 10, to, like, 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10. Mainly because we got a lot of Karens, we'll call them, that were just, like, there were people that would just drive out of the drive-thru. I don't know if you would experience that, but there was one lady, she, we had asked her twice, the, the a person at the window had asked her twice, hey, do you mind putting mask on, you know, that's our policy. What? Huh? Like, acting all dumb. Like, she didn't hear her. Again, hey, you know, it's our policy we need. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And you know me. I fucking went to the window. And I was like, hi. You know, um, so now you have to deal with me. Told her, hey, you know, this is what I need. I know you don't like it. We don't like it either. But, hey, this is what I need from you. If you really want this item, this product, just, dude, just cover your mouth. Just cover your mouth for 20 seconds. You know, like, we already had your items ready. So it just would have been a quick exchange. Here's your stuff. Get out. The mask comes off. And for me, I don't have a problem enforcing it because I feel like it's my job as a manager to keep you guys safe. I mean, if you guys aren't safe, who, for one, who's going to help me work? I can't run this team by myself. But I feel like it shouldn't be hard. I feel like the overall, like, it, it's been since March. So since it's been since March, I feel like the overall culture has been, like, Hey, we have been doing this literally for what eight nine months? Seven, seven months. Yeah, too. seven eight months. We've been doing this, and it should be like an overall cultural thing. We all know keys, wallet. Oh shit, where's my mask? Like that's it's just in routine now to check for that. So I still don't understand why it's difficult. Also, it trips me out how the way our country has handled it is. Uh, hey, you know, just poorly. Don't forget your face mask. So poorly. You know, hey, like we're gonna close at ten. You know, no more outdoor sea. That'll show us. Oh my god. So and I, I think of like also like this thinking of like the culture of it, like the fact that it's become accepted to go outside as long as there's a, there's a face mask. Yeah. You know, like it's just instead of us actually like fighting against it, we've just grown accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Like I feel like right now. Uh, some people are just trying to, like, learn to coexist with it. Yeah. You know, like, for me, going to the grocery store, yeah, I have no problem going to the grocery store wearing a face mask, going to get, like, a quick drive through meal, coffee. Um, but I'm not just going to, 
hang out with absolutely everybody. You get what I mean? I'm not going to... Every person that wants to hang out, you know, I, I feel like it gets to a point where you kind of have to be responsible and kind of pick and choose because, for example, I don't know everyone you're hanging out with outside of out of this podcast. I don't know who they're hanging out with. And it's just like this big chain. I just kind of want to, like, reduce that. So I feel like for me... I used to be in the same boat where I'm just like, stay inside. Why are you out? But, you know, people get restless. That's an excuse everybody uses. That's not an excuse for me. I understand I get restless, too, and I need to be outside. Go buy groceries and come home. Take longer than you normally would, you know? Go down every aisle just so that you're out doing one activity, you know? You're already out. Make it purposeful so that you're not just out wandering around. I feel like a lot of people are doing that right now, especially young people. I've seen a lot of parties. A lot of parties. I know, like, I see a lot of people posting about going to Vegas, too. Like, it's a weird flex. Yeah. It's not even a flex, though. Like, you're going to Vegas for what? Like, you know? right now, there's it's, like there's nothing open right now, either. Like, literally, you're pretty much going to get drunk and walk around. Yeah. yeah. You're paying this much money just to have a taste of the reality of what it was yeah. before. Yeah. Well, my inside sources tell me that a lot of things in Vegas are open. That's fucking wild. Dude. Yeah, that the majority of Vegas is open. Like, uh, I heard that a lot of casinos, if they have buffets, a lot of buffets are opening again. Yeah, like, a lot of things are changing. Or not changing, but going back to, quote-unquote, normal pre-COVID. Like, that's weird to me. That's really, really weird to me. I feel like at a dining establishment, it is not enough to fit five people at one table six feet away from another table. You get what I mean? That's that's not enough space. I feel like if you're going to be accommodating bigger groups, you need to have more space, like 10 feet, 12. Because you already have to fit. Like, think, think look where we're sitting. Like, this is easily a four-person table. Okay? Put that six foot away from another four-person table, and then another four, and then another four. It makes a perfect square. That's still really close. You can shout at the person adjacent to you. So I feel you need to do it, it bigger. You need to make make it to where, yeah, we'll, we'll dine people, but we're only going to limit it to, like, four parties. So if there's more than four parties, then sorry. Like, you guys have to wait. Go wait in your cars. But I don't know. I don't know about this. This is weird. Yeah, I mean, like, also when it comes to dining, just me personally, I think I've only gone dining three times. Okay. But, and every single time I've gone, like, I see how it's spacious, and I see how people can justify it. But then, thinking about it, like, just thinking of, like, how Denny's and all these places are making outdoor tents just to seat more people, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. That's not doing anything to help fight this pandemic. It's of the economy, though. It is. (laughs) But, like, the reason why they have to do that is because also the government isn't fucking helping. Yeah. You know? We got one stimulus check. One stimulus check. $1,200. Oh, my God. And then the only only the people who got unemployed got the 600 a week bonus oh, for those yeah. few months. And then yeah. it's wild how, like, businesses who were open were not even required for hazard pay. Like, literally, these people who were unemployed benefited way more. Dude, just for being unemployed. Just like, for you being unemployed. That way. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm done for the fraud. No, I'm not. But. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, just how everything's changed. And 
something I noticed though that when everything closes, that I've never been much of a. I mean, I, I don't go clubbing. Like I've only gone bar hopping a handful of times. Right. I've always been one in nature. So, I literally went to Joshua Tree six times this year. That's bomb. <laughs> you know, and like three or four. Yeah, I went with you twice. Twice. Was it twice? Yeah, it was twice. Are you sure? I think it was only one time. It was me, you, I forgot your friend's name, and Lupez. Okay. I yes. I think. I think we only went one time because we saw the Milky Way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Damn. Well, either way, like, you know, the Milky Way is fucking gorgeous. You know, and that, you're nowhere near people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, the Milky Way and Josh, you're like, uh, I went literally almost once a month mm-hmm. for, so I went for six months and I went during Milky Way season. It started like around March. It ended like around August. So I literally went from March to August and I went when there was a new moon. I went when there's a clear sky. Mm-hmm. And the only time we did, I didn't go when there was a clear sky was with you. It was, a, it was like, partly cloudy. It, it was pretty. Yeah. But, dude, like, I went one time. I think the best time I went was in July. That's uh the one where my friend, my, he took the picture. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, right. Dude, everything, like, the conditions were perfect. It was, we were there. We got there, like, around 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we stayed there till, like, 2.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the entire night was, like, a chill 70, like, when we went. It was amazing, That's and so, bomb. so we didn't even have we didn't even need sweaters on. Like we're just fucking chilling, and the Milky Way was literally a giant rainbow through the entire sky. Like I was, I was left in awe, mm-hmm. in awe because it's it didn't stop. It literally rose from the horizon. It went through the entire fucking sky above us. Mm-hmm. And set on the other side of the fucking sky. It just hugs the, the hugs the earth. That was a trip, man. Oh my god, it definitely made me like appreciate my it, like it made me reinforce my love for nature and astronomy. Like this year, that's one thing I am grateful for. I try to look for things that like I'm grateful for. Like there's, I mean, like obviously this whole year was shitty, but it doesn't hurt to like acknowledge those few things, good things that happen, you know. And Joshua, like, my time going to Joshua Tree, like, that was a moment in my life, mm-hmm. you know? And I tried to be present the entire time I was there. And it was just so beautiful just being able to see all those stars, you know? So many satellites, quote-unquote satellites, so many fucking... <laughs> so many shooting stars. That's true. <laughs> oh, my God. That reminds me of your story. Which one? Where you um you were Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my crazy. god. Okay, please like tell me what happened there. Okay, hold on. Before we get into that, I wanted to make a side note about Joshua Tree and then segue that. Okay. So I think my best memory of the Milky Way is when I had gone the second time and I had gone with Sal Josue and a friend Ariel. And we had gone, we got there probably about like 12-ish, 12-1, and we were chilling there. There was new moon, so it was pretty pretty dark outside. 
our ice had adjusted pretty good. Uh, we had smoked hella fat. And I remember I was like, any minute now, like, it's going to come over, like, any minute. It's just, we're just waiting for the earth to shift. And I remember Ariel just being like, dude, you brought us on a fucking cloudy night. Like, why did you bring it? Like, there's nothing here. And I was just like, look closer. And she was like, at what? It's a cloud. And I was like, stare at it. And she was like, dude, no way. It's like a cluster of stars. I'm like, yes, you're staring at the Milky Way. Oh, my God. Yes. It was like such a great experience because... It genuinely just looks like a cloud. Like, it just looks like this... A white cloud. White, like, pinkish, like, glittery cloud. It's so cool. It's and, so cool. like, what shits me out about that is that when I try to describe people about, like, what the Milky Way looks like with our naked eye, it's a cloud, but instead of it being made out of water, it's literally made out of light yeah, from our just galaxy. This is, like, light shimmer. Like, this really, really nice gleam. So, oh, my God. It's so beautiful, man. Yeah. And did you see it, like, span across the sky at one mm-hmm. point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really nice. Um, I kept trying to go deeper and deeper into Joshua Tree. But um, the deeper we went, like, I guess we were just around a bunch of rock formations to where whatever visible light was coming through was just blocked out. So we physically could not see that far in front of us. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I think it's because I had turned. Normally, we just stay on that, like, main road. And one, oh, the one where it says it's, like, the Boy Scouts trail or something that like first left yeah. that you can make when you enter. I had gone that way. I was like, dude, it's really dark over here. And then we started to hear some noises that didn't sound familiar. So we were kind of like, we got to go. It definitely was an animal, but not an animal that we could identify at the top of our heads. We were like, oh, got to go. And then the second time I went was the time that I had gone and it was a full moon. And, uh, oh, it was the most recent time for my birthday. And I had gotten, like, followed by a pack of uh, coyotes. That was cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah? Um, yeah, like, I, th- I have a video. I don't know if I could just play the sound. Let me see. Where they're following us, and we're all just chilling in the car, and we're all smoking, and you can just hear them, like, cackling in the back. It's crazy, barking, doing all this crazy shit. What the heck? Let me see. Yeah, come on now. There's two. What the right? heck? Yeah. Dude, wild animals trip me out. 3 a.m. And we were just, because we were just, like, walking around exploring, um, just, like, bathing in moonlight, charging crystals, all that stuff. And we had seen a coyote not far from us, because over there, since it's just pure desert, it's pure light, you could see it moving, and it saw us, and it would kind of, like, stare us down and stuff. We weren't really, like, fucking with it. We weren't, like, barking at it or anything. We were just kind of like, oh, hey, you know, like, little guy. And then after a while, he had disappeared, and then we had noticed that he came with, like, two of his homies, and we were like, okay, now we're three, four, I don't know how I feel about this, you know, this is, y'all a little sneaky, and that's, we're like, all right, let's go back to the car. And then we went to another parking area, and then, sure enough, we heard them. And we just noticed that these three coyotes followed us for, like, four parking sections, it was crazy. What the heck? It was really, really cool. But the last thing before I start talking about this uh, little, like, alien abduction story was... I want to go to Yosemite. I, I've been talking about wanting to go to Yosemite National Park for a really, really long time. Haven't done it. Um, they had just recently opened up again September 25th. I heard you have to make an appointment, though. Yeah. For certain parts. Well, you ha- you for sure also have to reserve the entrance. Like, they're only letting, like, a specific amount of, amount of people. Oh, going. okay. See, yeah. I didn't know all that. 
Because I really want to go. I really want to go see that one waterfall that when it's, the sun sets, it looks like it's on fire. Yes. I forgot what it's called. But I think that one you need to go when there's um. Yeah, like you have to go during conditions. Like I don't think that's when a common thing. Water actually running. Yeah, water running when there's like a partly cloudy, partly cloudy uh, sky as well, just to help with the reflection of the oh, light. Oh, true. You know. I'll figure it out. Something yeah, yeah, something's beautiful though. Mm. But yeah, um, let's. This alien story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Please. So this happened. I was maybe I want to say like 23, 22, 23 in that age range. So this was I think like 2015, 2016, somewhere in that area, and. It was me, my brother, and the guy that I was dating at the time. We were driving. I had a 2005 Honda Civic. We were on the uh, 60 freeway going from my mom's house in Hacienda Heights towards East L.A. where the guy that I was dating lived. And we were only going because we were all we were going to pick up the homie. We were all going to smoke. All this other oh, stuff. who was driving? I was driving. Okay. So I was driving. Uh, my brother was in the passenger seat, and then the guy I was dating was sitting in the back. And as we were driving, there's this one exit called Wilcox right off the 63 way. Um, so I was like, hey, let's just get off right here really quickly. Like, I'm going to put gas, put gas. After I put gas, my brother was like, well, fuck it. Pull over. Like, we'll roll our blunt since we're already here. And then we'll just get on through. We pick up the homie, start blazing it. That's it. And I was like, brilliant idea. Let's do that. So we were sitting, like, we were parked. We were rolling a blunt. My brother was rolling his. A uh, guy I was dating was just sitting in the back. We were just having like normal conversation, and we had brought up aliens. So we were talking just random, just random things like little things that we know. Started talking about the Men in Black. Um, started talking about um, like things that we have seen. Do we believe in them at all? Like, do we connect uh, extraterrestrial beings with like paranormal beings? Are they separate? Can you combine them somehow? How do you connect them? We were just like having like really nice discussion about it. So the just to kind of like map things out. We got off the freeway, went to the gas station that's immediately off the Wilcox ramp. So across the street from that, there's a neighborhood where we were parked. So that neighborhood is in a perfect square so that you can start at one point and square all the way around and end up in the same point, right? Okay. So that would mean I would be right back at the gas station. So we finished. We were going down, make the last right, right? So we're making this last right turn to go back to the main street. And just out of nowhere, just, like, a snap happened, and we were getting off the freeway exit again. And I looked at my brother, my brother looked at me, and I was like, that that was weird, this doesn't make sense. And the guy I was dating was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're driving, like, what do you mean that doesn't make sense? And I was like, but we were here, like, we were already here before, like, I know we were here before this. Like, there's no way, we we, we shouldn't be getting off the freeway right now, like, we should be at the gas station. And my brother was like, yeah, like, we, how did, how did we, when did we get back on the freeway? Like, how did this happen? And the guy I was dating apparently was completely fucking oblivious to all of it, had no idea. So me and my brother were tripping, and we were, like, retracing our steps and trying to think, are we faded? Like, is this something that, like, are we blown? Did we not realize that we got back onto the freeway or something? Um, what happened? But then... We looked, and the blunt that I had rolled was still in my hand. You know, I was driving with one hand blunt within the other. And my brother was, dry, was, you know, had his blunt in his lap. So we were kind of like, well, we haven't smoked these yet. 
And if we went back in time, like, they're already rolled. So this is proof that, like, we lived that. You know, this is, like, hard evidence that we actually did park right here. And we did roll these blunts. Like, we're not tripping. And me and my brother were talking about it. And we were like, okay, well, let's get back on the freeway. Let's retrace our steps. Like, so we got back on the freeway. And no matter which way we angled it, what street we came from, that exit, there's only one other way to do that. And it's, like, going way past, um, like, by the 605 freeway. It's the only other way to get onto the freeway before hitting Wilcox. What the heck? So it was kind of like, what the heck? Like, this doesn't make sense. And then we did the cul-de-sac all over again, the little uh, community, nothing, nothing made sense. And then that's when me and my brother were just like, you know what, like, let's tell grandma. Because my grandma, she has claimed to have gotten abducted by aliens where she's fallen asleep in a certain gown, woken up in a gown that nobody in the house owned, things like that. And I've also read an article before that they say that alien abductions are... uh, like inherited so basically like let's say you have a grandparent that an alien abducted and they liked their genes their genetic makeup they liked how they adapted to things like how they evolved they liked it how specifically your family's genes evolved they will study your genes over the course of your family's lifetime so then they'll go from abducting them to then the parents to then the child so we talked to my grandma about it. She, like, immediately believed us and was just like, well, you need to understand is that, like, extraterrestrial beings are way more advanced than we are. So there could be a chance that they abducted you and put you right back where they took you. So they basically what I believe, and my grandma kind of helped me and my brother piece this together, is that we were taken experimented on, probed, whatever. I don't know. I have no recollection of it. I felt fine. I didn't have any bruises or anything. I felt obviously uncomfortable because I knew I was in a spot that I wasn't supposed to be. But she basically helped us piece together, like, well, they probably abducted you, did their research, wiped whatever memory up to that point, and then put you right back there, kind of like uh, like if you're, a car is driving and I picked it up, I moved it and put it right back in the same spot to make it look seamless. Oh my God. So I, I, I genuinely feel like I was abducted by aliens at one point. I really feel like whatever I have to offer is good enough to be observed. You're worthy. Huh? You're worthy. Right? But you I, qualify. Yeah. I feel also, too, because I see things in the sky all the time. Like, I've yeah, same. felt things before. So for me, it's not weird that, like, I feel like, I don't know if you've ever felt this way before. Where, like, you're driving, and you're kind of, like, the only person on the freeway, and you feel like there's, like, a helicopter or something above you. Have you ever had that feeling before? No. I've had that feeling before, where there's, like, some type of aircraft above me, and then I start to freak out, and I slow down on the freeway. Like, I don't know. That's just, like, random little feelings that I get. Lately, too, I've been trying to, like, explain it to some of my roommates that I lately I've been seeing some form of, like, a shadow person. Um, where it's just like a person doing like a regular everyday activity, like taking out the trash, but instead of it being like a bag of trash and a fully realized person, it's like a shadow version of that. And it's only like a three second thing. Like I see it for three seconds and it's gone. And I've been seeing it lately and I'm kind of like, what the heck? Like, this is weird. Yeah. Where do you see it at? Anywhere. Um, I've. I haven't seen it in my house. I haven't seen it anywhere in my apartment, but I've seen it, like, at work. I've seen it um, walking up to my apartment. There's a certain spot where I have to, depending on where I park, 
I have to pass this restaurant, and there tra- there are dumpsters in the back. So when I pass it, that's the where I see the person throwing trash away, and it's repetitive. So I don't know what that means. I've never looked into it. I don't even know how to like search it. But where I, if I park there and I pass that dumpster, maybe I don't know like two out of the five times I park there, I'll see some type of shadow figure. And for a while too. I thought it was because, like, I started doing psychedelics and, like, tripping and taking acid and shrooms and stuff. So I thought it was something affecting just my vision from that. But I genuinely haven't taken any hallucinogen in a while. Maybe, like, four four or five months now. I haven't taken anything. So, no, like, like three, four months. Three, four months. What was the last thing you took? Um, I think shrooms. That's nice. I think it's when I called you. I think it was the time where I was on FaceTime. Oh, that was acid. No. Yeah, you were on acid when you called me. Oh, I was. You're right. No, I wasn't. Yes. No, I mean, it was during it was during those curfews. No. Yeah. And, and it was shrooms because during the curfews is when I was taking shrooms with the boys. Okay. Yeah, because I remember. Yeah, like I FaceTimed you and we talked for like an hour or two. Yeah, and I was just tripping. You just tripping balls. Yeah, you're outside. You you're away from your you're away from the people. From everybody, I was yeah. like, I wanted to be outside and nobody wanted to be outside. Dude, it was hilarious. Also, how what was I high? Yeah, I was smoking with you too. Oh yeah, like we're on the same frequency. Mm-hmm. That's fun. <laughs> And I was like, dude, there's helicopters everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, you saw helicopters, and you were, and you were so interested in them. Yeah, they were literally like one street over, and I was like, some shit's cracking. I want to go see, but then I realized that I'm like, I'm tripping. Yeah, (laughs) and I probably shouldn't go. Like, why the fuck are you here? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm here. Fuck, man. Yeah, I recently microdosed on mushrooms. When? I think a week ago. Oh, what did yeah. you take? Um, half an eighth around there. And uh, mushrooms. And I I knew it wasn't going to make me, like, trip out really hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that because my last big trip was kind of intense. Um, but I just wanted, like, a mental health day. My class was canceled, and I had the entire afternoon for off, like, free. Mm-hmm. So I took a look around 2 p.m. I, I played, like, um, some video games. And as soon as it started hitting me, I started watching Revenge of the Sith. Bomb choice. And I had a stizzy. So I was laying on my bed, <laughs> taking this for my stizzy, blowing the smoke to the screen. Okay. Just to have, like, smoke, like, the in between. Sea. Yeah, it was so cool. And it's so weird because it literally felt like I was watching it for the first time again. Oh, okay. Like, I did not at all mentally prepare for anything that was happening. Whatever was happening, I I was just using so... Like, I was literally just going deep in a rabbit hole mm-hmm. of analyzing and understanding everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And since I watched all the shows, all, like, a lot of videos, um, all the movies, I have a lot of just random extra knowledge of this. Literally, everything I was watching... I was just going deeper in rabbit hole in, in the present moment. So I wasn't be like, oh, I can't wait for this scene. Yeah. You know? And, it, yeah, it felt like it was my first time watching again. I was 
the vi- I didn't really see a lot of visuals. I was just just very hyper focused. Like oh, okay. like I, f- I I had to remind myself that I had to do shit after. Like I had to remind myself that this is like this is just like temporary. Human, yeah. yeah, I'm like fuck, man. I have responsibility, like, dude. I was totally immersed in the movie, and it definitely reinforced my love for that movie as well for Star Wars. Like it made me think of like, damn, what other movie do I want to? enhance my understanding and appreciation for because I did it with uh, Igor as well yeah. and The Wall by Pink Floyd for music and I kind of want to do it for mo- like movies as well like I feel yeah. like that would be really interesting like to be in that state of mind you know Pink Floyd's The Wall uh, the one time I actually saw the film I was rolling I was on ecstasy and I was really uncomfortable watching it like I was watching it and I had the worst anxiety. I was just like, I don't like anything that's on this screen right now. I literally had a ton of friends. I'm like, I have to leave. Like, I can't watch this with you guys. So I literally just like went separate and just started playing. Like, I think at the time, Fruit Ninja. Oh my it God. was after a rave. So I remember I was there and I was just chilling here at this rave. Like, having a great time. Like, it had gotten raided because at the time, that's when like raves were still kind of underground, like back oh, in the day. Okay. Were like, yeah, they were organized, but if shit was like too popping, like the cops shut it down. Was it a warehouse or? Um, I don't know if you'll remember this place because it was a really long time ago. But there was like this, I guess, like nightclub slash like. I I guess I, I guess a warehouse. You can kind of call it a warehouse. It was called the Hudson and Gotham in San Bernardino. So it was this building that was literally split in half. Half of it literally looked like it looked like a nightclub. There's a dance floor, seating, booths everywhere for you to sit. And on the other side, Gotham, you enter it, and it literally looked like a scene from Batman. It was the coolest venue ever. Like any rave back in like 2007, 2008, that was at the Hudson and Gotham, you knew it was gonna fucking be a great time because you can literally switch your mood. So. You can be on the nightclub side having a great time, and then if you wanted to like listen to like dark techno or like deep house or something, you can go to the Gotham side. Everything is dark, purples, grays. It literally looks like you're walking Gotham City. Like it's fucking dope. It's so so sick. And yeah, I just remember fucking leaving that rave because it got fucking raided early. I think it it was supposed to go until like four, and they shut it down at like. 2 a.m., something like that. Oh, shit. So all of us just ended up going to, like, the homegirls' pad. We were all tripping still. All rolling balls. All on fucking having the best time ever. And they're like, let's just watch Pink Floyd the Wall. I was like, what the fuck? This is not making me feel good. So, yeah, let's stop. Yeah, fucking. Damn. That's crazy. You started raving early, huh? Um, I don't know if it... Um, for you, like... For me, I mean, I was, like, 15, 16... That's, yeah. So yeah, early. I'm 27 now. So yeah, it's, it's been more than 10 years, but not continuously. I but since you're exposed to that, yes, yeah, you know, like, um, damn, cultures changed a lot. It's really, really different on some real shit. Uh, back in the day, so okay, children, we're gonna have a fucking little lesson right now. So back in the day, rave culture was very much plur, plur standing for peace, love, unity, and respect. That was basically, like, the four pillars of, like, the rave scene back in the day. Like, we're all going to be peaceful because we love each other. We're united together on this dance floor. That's why I respect you. You know, like, it was very much, like, I want things to be, like, bright neon colors. Like, everybody's going to wear candy, which is just bead, beaded bracelets. 
And they were kind of just like, kind of like little tokens of friendship. You know, you'd meet somebody, trade it with somebody. It was, you know, like obviously drugs are very much a part of like the rave scene and the culture. But I feel like back then they were much harder to come by. I feel you basically either had to like find somebody like weeks in advance to get you drugs or like hope that the person you're about to buy drugs from at the event isn't a fucking narc. You get what I mean? Um, and I feel now it's like super accessible and easy to like get drugs and like now I feel like the culture is more about like oh we're all here to just like party and like get super fucked up. I feel that's kind of more of the image that's getting portrayed. Yeah, a lot of people still go and just have a good time, don't really do drugs, just like drink or whatever. Yeah, that's fun. That's a good time. But I feel like the overall basis now is that it's like, here's a place for everybody to get fucked up. And if you don't want to drive home, camp here for an extra $120. You get what I mean? Like, it's all a sales pitch to get people to like, I don't know. I feel like it's still fun. I still go. But I feel... It's more based on, like, a monetary value. Like, how can we bring people in? How can we how can we accumulate more money? Like, for example, to kind of show how, like, not only is, you know, COVID still very much, like, effective, but how it's affecting rave culture. There's now having parking raves. Like, I want to rave so bad. I have cute fucking hoe fits at home, you know, where, like, my ass is supposed to be hanging out. <laughs> Yeah. You know, all these other things that I can't wear because I don't have a dance floor to wear them at. I don't have a place to turn this fucking look. I can't serve anything to these kids. I'm at home, you know. But these parking raves, you know, that's a cool setup. I know people that have gone. But for me, I'm just like, do I really want to go? You know, like, do I really? I'm just, I don't want to go to one. And then the one parking rave I decide to go to is the one parking rave where everybody gets COVID. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that I'm not willing to risk just for a party when I can take acid at home and I can give myself light shows. You get what I mean? Like, yeah. I can do all that stuff at home. When they were doing virtual rave thons I don't know if you remember that. But yes, yes. Those yes. are cool as shit because I just put YouTube on my fucking smart TV at home crack open a beer, whatever I wanted to do, and just fucking be in my room so that wherever my body landed is where it's going to sleep. You know, I'm ready in my room. That was fun. I feel like we should revert back to that, like making things be more virtual. Like, yeah, like, parking rave is cool because, you know, I'm there and it's quote-unquote live, but I don't think it's worth it. I don't feel like it's worth it at this time. Yeah, I mean... People are just very, uh, they really just want that connection again, you know? Mm-hmm. And anywhere, everywhere. And, like, you know, like, I'm pretty sure you've also seen, like, drive through mazes for Halloween, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, people, yeah, you know, the, the people still want to be connected. And mm-hmm. it's, this is, I feel like this is also one just big experiment of how we are kind of forced to not socialize. Oh, okay. And everything is going virtual. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is my first semester going all online. And it was a culture shock for everyone. I know it was, it, was, it was really hard. Is it tough for you? Is online classes hard? Um, I'm fortunate enough to be, to be taking classes that I am enjoying. So... 
the classes I don't enjoy, those are hard. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine like having to take like a science class right now, you know, because my communicate my major is communication. Yeah. So even though it's virtual, and we're having a lot of Zoom. It also we have a lot of discussions, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone in our like we're all communication majors, so like we talk a lot of us do, and I think about because also like right now I'm taking a family communication class. Mm-hmm. I'm not even. Being dramatic, I feel that's probably my favorite class I've ever taken, ever. Yeah. And I'm so upset and disappointed that the whole experience was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, this class would have been so much more intimate and introspective and just more engaging if we had lectures, you know? Right. And, yeah, I mean, like, next semester is also going all online, so I'm not going to be able to walk. Oh, that's why. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that, like, it happened. Like, and obviously, I wasn't, yeah, I cannot do anything about it. But we all can. If <laughs> we all fucking work together, you know, have a fucking lockdown and shit. But who knows? But, yeah, I wanted to go back to uh, raving as well um, really quick, though. Mm-hmm. When do you think the shift started? Like, was there a specific, like, year, like, years where you noticed? Yes. It was um, specifically around when I had graduated high school. So, like, 2011. Like, 2011 to 2015. Because that's when I really started to, like, oh, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Uh, I will never forget. I say this as, like, a partial joke. Um, I'll never forget the first time I went to a rave and I saw an Obey shirt in the crowd. Because I don't know if you remember Obey, the giant got really big. Malaysian Shuffling got really big. The, like, party scene kid got Snapback really big. Snapback and stuff. Snapback culture, yeah. the dyed hair, the snake bites, all that. Um, that got really big. And I feel like that's also when um, going only for the drugs got really big. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you want to do drugs, do those motherfucking drugs. I'm not judging you. If you need water, I got you. You know? Because I love taking psychedelics. I want to expand my mind and I want to trip out and make my brain see and view things in ways that my sober brain would not view them. Yeah. But I feel like in those specific years in 2011 to 2013, that's when that movement, quote-unquote movement of, like, party, 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 keep it going, keep it going, go, 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 that's when it really pushed forward, and I feel like a lot of entertainment companies understood that and kind of fed it for a moment. Because I noticed that a lot of companies that were still, like, really strict on, um, you know, pat-downs and stuff like that. And I'm going to name these companies because they don't, they're not around anymore, like AMS, EMF, um, Fresh Entertainment, um, what's another one? Motive events, places like different event groups like that. They used to have like pretty bomb raves, you know, like Monster Massive. Everybody's heard of that. Um, Murder the Dance Floor, Winter Fresh, Fresh Days, Fresh Anniversary, Freshly Squeezed. Like these were bomb events that they were just like, yeah, we're going to have zero tolerance for drugs. There was narcs everywhere in the crowd. Like if they saw you popping a pill, you're out. Like if they just not doing a transaction. If they saw you putting it in your mouth, they're kicking your ass out. So, and I feel like P- 
people started to catch on to that, and I feel like they stopped uh, supporting these entertainment groups, and that's why now the only ones that are really around are like Hard, Insomniac. You know, there's not really other other things bringing keeping the culture lively because don't get me wrong, Insomniac events are sick. I've been to every single one for like the past two years, but there gets to a point where it's like. It's at the Naz Event Center. <laughs> you know, nothing's really changed. It's like commercialized now. Oh, the Mad Hatter stage is the bigger stage now? Oh, you know, like, oh, you added another caterpillar. You know, it's it's getting to the point where it's like I can nitpick things. I kind of understand and know the experience I'm going to get. The experience is fantastic. It's beautiful. But bring back the culture when it's like, the candy kid that just wore giant UFO jeans, you know, that flared at the bottom. They look like bell bottoms, but they're bigger. You know, like, bring the neon colors back. You know, bring bring the girls who are just wearing a fucking bra and a tutu. You know, like, you don't have to look super done up all the time. You can just come have fun. Like, come straight after work, throw your hair in a fucking ponytail and just be here. You know, like, girls would show up just in fucking highlighter pink shirts and, like, black shorts. At the time of their life, you know, but now it's like, I need to go, I need to serve the look, I need to prove that I was here. For what? Like, that's boring. It's fun, don't get me wrong, but you follow me on Instagram, how often am I posting about me going to raves? It's rare. It's very, very rare. If I do, it's like a throwback. Yeah. You know, like, oh, look at when I was here, you know, or when I did this, but it's never really like live. Like, this is happening right now. Yeah. I don't feel like you need to do that because back in the day, the culture was, I'm going to go into this fucking Arco real quick. I'm going to tell the guy behind the counter this random code, and he's going to hand me a rave flyer with an address, and I'm going to go. I used to do that. Like, we used to go to raves that way. Like, hey, I'm going to go to this Arco, and I'm going to tell this guy that there's a fucking purple penguin in the parking lot, and then he's going to hand me a purple flyer on this flyer it's gonna be an address and we're gonna go to this rave called purple people and the entire is everybody has to wear purple i dead ass went to a rave like that where it was called purple people and everybody had to wear purple yeah and you you got the code by telling a guy there's a purple penguin in the parking lot what the heck yeah and he was like oh yeah and just hands you a purple flyer and it just says purple people the address somewhere in la some warehouse went inside time of my life and now it's just, it's like, here's an email for Beyond SoCal on a Thursday, this day, we're going to go ahead and fucking let you deposit $10, and every month we're going to take a payment plan from you. Do you get what I mean? Like, it's very much, it's like, you well, you have no excuse to not go, because we're making things super, super easy for you. Yeah. For the record, everybody, I'm still going to go. I was just asked a question. I was just asked what, how I feel. And yeah, I feel like it's dramatically different. There are some people, like, when I go decked out, have candy everywhere, like, I still very much embody that because that's who I am. That's how I entered the culture. You get what I mean? It's kind of like, I guess the best way I could describe how I feel is, you know, how some people are like, how you met Tyler versus how I met Tyler. You get what I mean? How you yeah. met Frank Ocean opposed to how I met Frank Ocean. It's kind of like how you met Raving versus how to I met Raving. Yeah, so exactly. So it's kind of very much that argument. And I feel like back then everybody was like, hey, what's up? You want some water? Here you go. You know, like, it's very much like that now, but now it's like... It's 
for sure more mainstream now. Yeah, it is. It's fun. I recommend everybody go to a rave. It's fun. Yeah, I've been trying to get uh, my friends that haven't gone what to What was go. the last one you went to? Escape. Escape right? 2019. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I was going to go to EDC this year. Same. But I, I didn't. Yeah, well, like, I was contemplating either going to EDC or Coachella because Coachella had Frank Ocean, you know? Franklin Ocean. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. However, I wanted to ask you about the way you view raves when you go. Do you see it as, like, a, like a, like a spiritual enhancing, like, ceremony type of thing going to raves the experience of raves and um i don't necessarily see it as like uh actually i'm gonna let you finish your presentation what were we gonna say um essentially how like when you like when you when you're saying how people a lot of people go like for drugs what exactly like do you go for what do you feel when you're there like like what about it makes you go back to it, you know? Um, so when I first started, I went to my first rave, and I was given an ecstasy pill. I went with my cousin. I went with one of my cousins. We were really close at the time. Um, so I used to go, and it was just like, okay, I'm going to roll every time I go to this, this event. And then um, my cousin stopped going, and the group of friends that I met through her they would all do that, and I didn't want to do drugs every single time, so then they would, like, kind of stop inviting me. And that's when I met kids from our high school who raved, and they would be like, well, we don't do drugs all the time. Like, yeah, every now and then, like, if it's my birthday rave, because that was very much a thing, um, you know, there's, a, like, a, a rave that lands near your birthday. It's your birthday rave. It's kind of, like, your event. That's sick. Uh, you know, like, we would roll on, like, our birthday raves and shit like that, but we would never just, like, oh, we need a pet. We need this. So I got used to raving sober, and that's when I understood the, like, I don't want to know, I, I feel like calling it platonic is not the correct word, but I'm going to use that word, the platonic relationship between myself and a stranger. We're here at the same place, in a common ground, listening to this music in a safe space, enjoying each other's company, and I don't even know your name. And I felt like that kind of bond transcends more than just the base level of meeting people of like this is Alfredo and Caesar having a conversation no this is me and you experiencing this moment having a great time because we both are living here we're both experiencing it in a way where like how do I explain you're I'm connected to you in this moment and we're feeling the exact same thing just just for being strangers here on the dance floor if that makes sense. And I feel like that's beautiful. Like, that's really, really fun. And that's something that I gravitated towards. And I feel like that's what makes me go back every time. Because even now that I'm older, and mind you, I didn't rave for like four years. Nah, like three. I didn't rave for a good portion of my life. You know, I was working, building foundations, going to school. I didn't have time. But then when I started again, now that I'm older, you know, I still don't drink. I, I smoke at events mainly. But, um... Same thing. Like, I would just be vibing and somebody would look at me and we would literally um, connect and be on that same frequency. We're vibing the same. Come up to me, give me a high five, hit my blunt, take pictures. Like, random strangers. And I feel like that's something that it makes me feel good because it's just, it's like, you're probably a dick in real life. You know? But you're here and you're having a great time and it doesn't even matter. 
know, like, for when I'm at work, some people say that I'm a fucking hard ass. Like, I don't like what you're doing. Why are you doing that? And then I'm here, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Like, you would never expect that when I'm at work, I'm this person that's like, follow the rules, do the standard, do this. You know? And I feel like it's just nice. It's nice to see people kind of, like, let go and just be themselves there and like, yeah, I'm going to fucking stand here. I'm going to flip my arms around. And that's just me having a good time. And people are going to pass me and be like, that guy's having a good time. You know? No judgment. You know? There's no judgment there. And I feel like when you add drugs and, like, add hallucinogens, because for me, like, I started taking acid at raves recently. It's something that I started to do and I thought it was pretty fun until COVID hit. And my last three... My last three events, I'm sorry, my last three out of four events, I did take acid. And it was a good time. I felt like my visuals were really heightened. I feel like on a spiritual level for me, it was nice just because a lot of the artists I saw at one of these events had their songs have like deep meanings in my life. Like I saw Zed's Dead. They have a song called Blame. It's basically like having an interaction with somebody this song is the way that I interpret it is you're having interactions with somebody where like they don't understand you so you're just like fuck it blame it all on me anyway because that's just what you're gonna do and I feel like that song resonates with me so to hear that song live unexpected because I didn't know they were gonna play it while on acid it made me feel like I had a breakthrough what I was connecting in my life to this song and it made me understand the situation better and the scenario better and I can genuinely feel like me tripping on acid at a rave is the reason why I was able to get over this. Which is, like, weird to say, you know? Like, I had a fucking fully realized spiritual moment at this event, just on the side of a freeway at fucking Glen Helen Amphitheater. You get what I mean? It's pretty cool. It's really, really cool. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that... I barely recently started going i think my first official rave was countdown 2017 going to 2018 okay it's like really recent you know Mm -hmm. but the moment i went there i fell in love with the energy that was there you know i felt like i've gone to a lot of different music live shows of different genres and none of them really compare to the same frequency and energy as raves and i can only imagine how like how much more organic authentic and raw it it was previous before it went mainstream Mm -hmm. but i mean even now you know like even now i would recommend people to go because it's just an experience itself that it's so unique and i'm not even like a big edm fan either but my appreciation for it definitely grew since I ex- experienced the live mm-hmm. show of it, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it just added more layers to my appreciation of music, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, what you're saying though, with just the way like you would be connected to that person, you know, I felt like it was kind of you were reaching the same frequency of them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of like vibes, of emotions, and physical, mental state of mind, mm-hmm. you know. I want, like, I remember before this, I think we mentioned, you talked to me about the freak, like, frequencies and, like, you you, you vaguely talked about it when you, um, in your story about Joshua Tree, how you guys were, like, recharging crystals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, 
what about crystals? How did you get in, into that? Like, what, what is like, what is like, what is about that 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 resonates with you? So, with me, my biggest thing and my biggest struggle is that I always felt that as a overall person, I was very angry, and everything was always other people's faults, not mine. And I have a really good friend, um, literally like my sister, Alexis. I'm pretty sure you've heard me talk about her before. But went to high school with her, all this other stuff. We actually didn't become really good friends until outside of high school. And she was always very much into that. And she would tell me things like, be more mindful, like, just be more aware. Like, just kind of key phrases where I never had really heard, like, to be mindful of what I say to get people to react. Do you get what I mean? And I feel like... There was just one point where I had just kind of like an epiphany moment where I understood that everything has a certain vibration and vibrations, depending on what we're receiving, could be beneficial for us. Like, for example, like if you have one of those like vibrating massage guns, that vibration feels good. But if you speed it up or press too hard or that vibration does not feel good and you want it to stop. So I feel like using that as an analogy, like having different types of crystals each crystal has different types of attributes like for example there's citrine citrine is supposed to be a crystal that is physically unable to hold negative vibrations or negative energy it's only able to hold positive vibrations and give those back outward um rose quartz vibrates uh at a certain frequency that resonates with the person using it uh to help self-love confidence reassurance things like that so knowing that each crystal vibrates at a certain frequency that helps benefit us, that's what kind of made me, you know, try it out, test it, see if this is real. You know, how much does the moon really affect you? Like, how calm can it make you? Is it true that it will really amplify the vibrations of these crystals? And from what I've experienced in my personal belief and what I have done, I feel like it is very beneficial and I feel like it is helpful, you know? Um, I think, you know, some people think that I may be possessed by a demon because I believe this, <laughs> but I don't, I don't see that. I really feel that um, we give off certain vibrations that are beneficial and not beneficial for people, whether we know it or not, you know, like yeah, totally. me being able to sit at this table with you and have a conversation and it's easy to have a conversation. That's a genuine frequency that we're connecting on that's positive. But let's say we start talking about an issue that you don't agree on and I don't agree on, you know? Like, that's still going to be on the same frequency, just in a negative aspect. You get what I mean? Yeah, and I remember, like, th- like honestly, this tripped me out. And also our other co-worker, um, Tony, that when you talk about these frequencies, you also mentioned, like, when we are first like, getting to know each other, that... You kind of imagine this bubble around you. Mm-hmm. Sphere of awareness. Yeah. But at the same time, it was also like, kind of like, well, didn't it also help with like, of not allowing people to read you so well? Yeah. So the whole purpose from what I have read um, about the sphere of awareness and how it was taught to me and how I interpret it is that you're basically taking your energy and or vibration frequency whatever you want to call it i'm going to use energy um basically use your energy and you envision uh you know like a white or blue bubble kind of enveloping around you and it's kind of like this cocoon of 
your own vibration that's keeping a wall from allowing other things to really affect you. So, for example, I was opening stores left and right in the company before COVID happened. So when that was happening, it was easier for me to not really um, attach myself to people and not allow people to um, view me as somebody that is below them as their manager because I feel like a lot of people thought, oh, he's young, you know, like he can't can't manage the store. I'm fully capable of doing this. Like, this is not a problem. Yeah. And I feel like it's very good, too, because it also kind of helps you focus. Like, even now, like, there's sometimes I'll just be on bar and I'll be doing it just because it helps me kind of block things out and focus on what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, like, you can even do it right now, eyes open, having a fully conversation with somebody new. Like, let's say you meet somebody for the first time or... Let's say I'm invited back to another episode and there's somebody else there that I'm not necessarily agreeing with. In that situation, that's when I would envision this fear of awareness and kind of be like, okay, I'm mindful of things that you're saying. I'm being as cautious as as I saw a shadow person right there. Um, Being as cautious and everything as possible, receiving what you're saying and choosing to not react to it to make sure that I keep myself safe and keep the situation calm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that tripped me off because both me and our coworker agreed that it was really hard to read you at first. Like, I had no idea how you were outside of work. I had, like, literally, I don't know. Like, it, I do not know how we started hanging outside of work. I think it was through a mutual. Like, we were going to smoke after work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, like, yeah. And yeah, I it was it's a trip. And then after that, outside of work, it was obviously a lot like yeah. easier. But like, it's crazy how you literally envision a bubble, and that helps, and it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked on me, and it worked on our coworker. You know, <laughs> so I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if it if it works other elsewhere. But yeah, you didn't mention how. And, the way you thought of this, people thought you're like crazy or with demons and stuff. <laughs> I fucking hated your. Oh my god! Yes, please, please. So I have tell the story. I have uh, a tia who is super super religious. I have to make a note for the record. She is a born again Christian, and I have this theory that born again Christians are the most like in it if that makes sense they're the ones that are like devoted i'm here this is what's happening just because i feel like this is their quote-unquote second chance or whatever so i feel like they're more diehard um so her goddaughter which is my cousin she had just became a born again christian so she is very diehard also so we were all just sitting at a table mind you i don't really go to family parties that much anymore my family has kind of as my generation has turned into adults, we kind of just, like, separated. I'm cool with that. Um, but, yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. My sister's going to go. It'd be nice to see the fam again. Fuck it. I'm, I'm down. So I go. We're all sitting at this table. And, you know, I'm 100% a skeptic when it comes to any type of religious talk. I need your proof. I need something more than a book that's been rewritten time and time again. You know, I, I just need proof. You get what I mean? The yeah. Quran, is that how you pronounce it? The Quran has not been rewritten once 
It has literally been the same since the day it's been written. Yeah. Why, like, why does it need to be rewritten for if it's holy? You get what I mean? Anyway, so they're talking or whatever, and I'm genuinely, like, staring at them because I'm like, this this is interesting. I've never seen two Christians talk about things. It's kind of like watching two coffee nerds talk about coffee. You're kind of just like, oh, fuck. Like, they're throwing... Like, the depth of it. Like Yeah, like, they're throwing knowledge after knowledge. They were throwing Bible verses out. They were throwing numbers out. Like, I was... I was really looking at them like, what the fuck? This is intense. So I'm, they already know that I don't really care about religion, but I was listening. I asked questions. I was actually being very, very respectful. And then I remember they had said something. They were talking about a story. I don't remember the whole parts of the story because I was on my phone. But I remember when I zoned back into the conversation, they were talking about this knight that killed a beast with ten heads with ten crowns on its heads. And all these other things. It sounded like a literal fucking science fiction film. Like, how is this in a holy text? I don't understand. And so I kind of was like, that doesn't that doesn't really match up with my belief. Like, that doesn't really make sense. Can you re-explain that? So then they asked, okay, what's your belief? And I talked about, you know, like, crystal healing, bathing in moonlight, being more mindful, just being a more overall kinder person. You know, like, choosing to bite your tongue instead of making a petty, petty comment, you know, or like trying to be less vindictive with things, you know, like, oh, my friend wasn't there for me, so I'm not going to be there for them, you know, like stop doing things like that, you know, be more mindful of the energy that you're putting out into the world, and for me, I just try to strip things down in its most purest form, because at the end of the day, everything that we do is in an energy exchange, um, it, it exerts en- my energy to have this conversation with you but I'm volunteering to do that. You get what I mean? Yeah, totally. For work, you know, like, I'm getting paid to give you my energy, so that's why I'm here. You know, little things like that. Everything comes down to an energy exchange. So I started explaining that. I started explaining crystal healing and stuff like that. Pulled out my citrine that I had in my pocket, and it was like if I... It was like if my head had turned 360 degrees, my eyes had rolled back, and I said I was the devil. Like, they were like, what are you doing? You're idolizing raw rocks are the devil and I was like how are rocks the devil didn't the didn't God make the earth I'm confused and they're like well yeah but then he came to the earth and they were kind of like stumbling over the words and I was just like yes I understand that Lucifer Morningstar was cast down here by God I understand but I don't understand you're saying that he did something to these crystals and they're like yeah he did something to these crystals I was like but God still made the crystals so you can't tell me that I was wrong because you told me that they're not from God, but God made them. So I started kind of throwing little things at them, and they were trying to tell me that I was possessed by a, de- a demon. So they all started fucking, all started putting a hand on me, and they all started praying. They all started praying in tongues. And I stood there, and I pretended to burn. <laughs> I pretended that it hurt me. I screamed. <laughs> I did all this other stuff. And then my grandma was like, I'll stop it. I was like, well, what the fuck? Like... Get off me. Like, why are you doing this? This is so uncomfortable. But yeah, so I, I just thought it was, I just thought it was wild because for one, I feel like if you want to believe in this book, if you want to believe, if you really want to believe that Jesus Christ is a white man with straight hair from fucking Israel, believe that. Because I don't believe that. You get what I mean? Like, you... Israel's in the Middle East. He should be of a tan caramel complexion that's not this white man. Like, how are you going to... 
There's too many contradictions I feel. But if you want to believe that, go for it. I'm going to believe this because they try to tell me like, well, what are you going to do when, what are you going to do when you're wrong and you burn in hell for eternity? I'm going to burn in hell for eternity. Like that's, that's just it. If, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not going to fucking fight anybody about it. I'm not going to beg. And like, like at that point, what can you even do? Yeah. I'm like, Hey, bet, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Like, what can I do? And I feel like they don't like that. They don't like that. I'm, easy to just be like yeah you want to believe that believe that i'm not it's it's not a race for me to see who's right this is something that i find comfort in this is something that my brain understands i understand that energy exchanges are important i understand that energy vampires are very much real i understand that it is very much easy to it's easier to put your energy to negative things than it is to put it to positive things. And that's why mindfulness is very, very important. And that's why crystal healing to guide you there is important. And I feel like it just makes you a genuinely like overall more calm person. I feel like me personally, yeah, I can get upset and I can get upset really quickly. But I feel like opposed to where I was maybe like two, three years ago, if those like if two or three years ago Alfredo were to meet me now we would get into an argument and the version of me now would walk away and it would not affect me you get what I mean opposed to that version would be very much affected would let it fucking prolong would be mad about it for a couple of days you get what I mean and I feel like that's enough growth for me that makes me feel good that makes me feel comfortable so I'm okay with believing this if you don't want to believe it if you want to call it magic witchcraft whatever you want to call it I'm down you know, like, I'm down. Call me a witch. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I... That's fucking wild. I'm fucking rant. I mean, like, when it comes to religion and spirituality, they get meshed in with each other. And I think everyone can agree, like, in the spiritual sense of ideas, you know, is that, like, to live a good life. Like, mm. be happy, spread positive. Mm energy but something about me um throughout the years that i've noticed is that i stopped i i was no longer into like the institutionalized ideas of religion you know my whole family is catholic oh well, not my whole family but my initial family is my Aunts and uh, my cousins, they're Christian. Mm -hmm. And I have had, like, one holy experience. But it's weird because now, like, I had a conversation with this with my mom. She asked me if I still believe in God. And I tell her that I believe that there's definitely, like, a higher power. There's something that we cannot explain, you know. But... I, do I believe that it's stemmed from Jesus Christ and that's like that's a child of God? Yeah. And the answer is no. For me personally, I haven't really found a institution yet to follow. I'm so open about it. Like I have a friend who uh, who once who gave me a, a Bible, a Christian Bible, and. I, I'm not opposed to it. Like I'm asking him if you want, like send me some send me some scriptures. You know, like mm -hmm. tell me like what like like recommend what me something. Yeah. yeah, 
Because it's a fucking whole book. <laughs> like, I don't have time for, to read the whole book. Start, yeah, like, exactly. Page one, like. So I'm wait. I'm um, I'm waiting for that. And then also I have another friend who um they're telling me about Buddhism, and Taoism, oh, okay. nice. and that's also really getting my attention. Like that's that's something I also want to be able to kind of expand more on. Just like the knowledge of the knowledge of these religions, I think essentially help with your knowledge of spirituality you know it gives you like a better connection it's something i do want to get into and recently i've been trying to is get more connected to my spirit my spirit and the only like the ways that got me into that and wanting to deepen my spirituality was my experiences with psychedelics they kind of Reminding me of presence, but at the same time, like, like how everything is temporary, right? You know, and I definitely want to. Like, it's weird because right now I'm at a point where I'm not following any like specific institution mm-hmm. or religion, but I'm I'm not atheist whatsoever. Like, do you feel like it's a little bit more freeing that way? Like, there's I feel like. For me, because I don't claim any type of religion either. I claim to be agnostic. I said that wrong. Agnostic. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I believe in a higher power, but I don't put a face to it. I don't call it God, Jesus Christ, Allah. I don't, I don't feel like I need to. I feel like whatever it is, whatever it may be, is enough. Because I don't know what created us. I don't know. But I'm not going to worship something that I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, psychedelics have helped me a lot too. I've, it's, it's helped me melt the barrier, not a barrier, but more of this wall or this illusion that, you know, that the only rules are good, good or bad is what's depicted in the Bible. You get what I mean? Yeah. Um, something I noticed about studies with psychedelics is that mushrooms lsd dmt mm-hmm. these like these psychedelics all have to do with ego dissolution yeah you know like being able to kind of humble people and make them understand what's really important in life and i think what's really important in life is essentially like love mm-hmm. you know love and positive energy mm-hmm. and empathy empathy is a strain of love yeah. you know One. but that's what I mean. That's just how I am right now. Like, as recording this, I don't know how I'm gonna be one year from now. I don't know how I'm gonna be ten years from now, fifteen years from now. You know, mm-hmm. but that's why I'm excited for this. Like, my like being able to just have timestamps, you know, of these episodes and look back at it. Oh, look, I'm breaking the fourth wall. Hello. True. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Future us. Yeah. Oh, thank you for everyone who's listening, though. If you are here right now, we have been talking for a good amount of time, and How long has it been? it's been an hour and fifteen minutes. Oh shit! That's yeah. Long. And yes, if you've been here, you're listening. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, and I forgot in the beginning of the episode of um. Just in case you're a new, uh, new listener as well, where can you find me at? I'm going to be on Instagram and Twitter. My at's going to be at Zenith underscore podcast. 
for both Twitter and Instagram. Period. Period. And yes, I hope you liked this. I hoped that this will be this was fun actually. I it think was. we had a great we had a great conversation. It's cool too because I feel like for those who actually are listening and have managed to listen to the whole thing, this is genuinely how we talk without a microphone. Yes. It's just very much like let's blaze a little bit and let's just talk about this for a cool second. Let's just focus on this because I think because if we're gonna be if we're gonna be one hundred percent honest here, like the overall premise of this podcast was a little derailed. Like, we were supposed to be talking about something completely different. Touched on it a little bit, but ended up talking about something else. And it still came out super fantastic. Yes. And I feel like that's one thing that's very, I feel, will be a recurring theme on this this podcast is that these conversations that you're going to have, or you're going to hear, I'm sorry, are going to be very raw and are going to be very comfortable settings because it's all of us just friends. It's all of us just talking to each other. In a normal way that we would talk amongst ourselves, we're just sharing it. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And like, what's important is that um, I want everyone who's listening to to understand that a main goal of this whole podcast is just to help share perspectives and stories. Mm-hmm. And Alfred, mm-hmm. you did amazing. Thanks. You know, Thank you. like literally, like yeah. we talked about rave culture. You told me your story on alien abduction. I really, that's, that's real. I really feel like I was. And I believe you. And that's trippy, you know, and the whole story about your family with religion. And um, by any chance, would you like to put your social media out? Like, oh, do you want to, do I want to shamelessly plug myself? Of course. Um, so my Twitter and Instagram are the same. You can follow me at, at a underscore Fred 42. Um, yeah, so I'm there. I post funny things sometimes. My Instagram is mainly just coffee and me. Uh, but follow my Twitter. I say some pretty funny shit on my Twitter. And I'm most active on Twitter, I've noticed, too. Yeah, I same really here. Use, I don't really use Instagram anymore. I don't really want to delete it. But, yeah, Twitter. Follow Twitter again. It's at A underscore Fred 42. And, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. This was a good time. I really want to come back. This is going to be fun. If I'm being honest, dude, like, the fact that we didn't even talk about everything we wanted to, just <laughs> kind of, like, like you're required to come back. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> like a part two. Exactly. And, oh, dude, no parts. Just, it's all thing every time, you know? Okay. Like, you're definitely going to, like, yeah, I'm excited to have recurring guests and you're yes. definitely one of them because of our conversations and i'm so happy i'm like i could we could Same. we could literally go back at this oh 100 you know and everyone who's listening please like don't be afraid you know if you want to talk if you have anything to say as well you have my socials like you can easily find me there i'll try my best to engage and interact because if you're putting the energy out there to literally engage with me like and listen like i appreciate that and with that being said you listen to zenith i'm your host cesar davila with my beautiful guest alfredo what's up i'm the beautiful guest thank you (laughs) thank you for here thank you for being here thank you everyone for listening and we hope you listen to us again i hope you you come back for our second episode with you mm-hmm. and till next time you know where to catch me we'll be here at the zenith remember stay safe wash your fucking hands wear a mask 
Wear a mask. Cover your nose. Social distance. Social distance. And love. Yes, <laughs> love. Love everybody. Well, not everybody. If you don't want to. But love either way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all right. I'll catch y'all later. Peace. Peace.